The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. This is Patty Scalzo, and today we will continue an important sermon in Pastor Greg Scalzo's series on Heavenly Authority. My husband has been teaching on the Apostles and the Jerusalem Council. Before we return to the Sunday message, I want to give you our church website address, www.shiarjashub.org. Isaiah 7, verse 3, gives you the proper spelling of Shi'ar Jashub. When we left off last time, Pastor Greg had read in Acts chapter 15 how certain men from Judea came to the church at Antioch in Syria, where there were both Jewish and Gentile believers. These men argued that unless the Gentiles were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, they could not be saved. The church at Antioch decided to send Paul, Barnabas, and certain others to Jerusalem to question the apostles and elders in that first church about this dispute. Here is the author of The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. So Paul and Barnabas and certain others go, and you read down in verse 4. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church. Notice it's still called the church, right? We have this kind of image that church is Gentile and synagogue is Jewish, but it's the church. Jesus makes one church out of the two. They go to the church in Jerusalem. They're received by the church. They're received by the apostles. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. Now you have elders over the church in Jerusalem. As that church has been established, the apostles are moving up into what they have to do to bring the gospel out, and you have elders over that local body, a large a multitude we're going to read, a large local body in Jerusalem. And they reported all things that God had done with them. So they're telling them, um, and we'll read about this next time in Galatians, how Paul speaks them privately, telling them all the works that had happened on that first missionary journey that he went out with Barnabas uh, in the Gentile areas. Verse 5, but some of the sect of Pharisees who believed, so the Pharisees who believe in Jesus, rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses, them being the Gentiles. You have all these Gentiles getting saved, coming to believe in Jesus, but salvation to these Pharisees meant keeping the whole commands of Moses and circumcising, making them Hebrews, making them descendants of Abraham in the flesh. Now, remember, we studied the um, Pharisees. Now, if these Pharisees were experts in the law, if they were scribes who had come through the knowledge of the Scriptures to know that Jesus is the Messiah, then their knowledge had to have a lot of weight among the multitude of believers, Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And they're basically saying you have to make them physical descendants of Abraham. It's not enough. Jesus dying is not enough. They have to first become Jews in the flesh. 
not just in the spirit. They have to become physical Jews and then they'll be saved by their beliefs. But without circumcision, there is no salvation. And they're saying this among the church that starts, which is Jewish, which is Hebrew. So it has a lot of weight to it. And in verse 6, we read about the council. You have here what has come to be known as the Jerusalem Council. Now the apostles, verse 6, and elders came together to consider this matter. So they're going to give a consideration. Those in authority, apostles and the elders of the church in Jerusalem, to consider the matter. Verse 7, and when there had been much dispute, so again, you have a lot of chaos going on, everyone giving their opinion. You have those who are Judaizers, who believe in Jesus, but want to make them Jews. You have others giving their opinion. You have a large group of people who read us a multitude, arguing, debating. This is one large Jewish debate going on. What do we do with these Gentile believers? And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Peter stands up. Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. You know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth, by the mouth of Peter. He calls them men and brethren. He calls them his brothers. They're, the people he's speaking to are as his brother. You are all brothers. Don't be like the Gentiles, Jesus taught them, for you are all brothers. Now they know who Peter is. They know what has happened, the miracles, what God has accomplished through him. This church wouldn't be there if God had not worked the work through him. They know what Jesus said to him. But Peter doesn't stand up and issue a governmental edict. He doesn't issue a religious paper. He doesn't make a papal decree. He stands up, Peter, and the humility of it, and, and gives them a reasoned, rational, spirit-anointed analysis of the situation. Look what happens. He says, you know, you know, you know the facts, and he gives them facts. He states the facts. Through my mouth, the Gentiles heard the gospel and believed. Cornelius, this is what happened in the case of Cornelius, his family, his relatives. Before Peter finishes preaching to them, Cornelius and his family accept, right? They have to accept that fact. The Lord tells him to go. The Holy Spirit directs him to go, so it's God's will. They have to accept that fact. Before they can be baptized, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're prophesying. They're speaking in tongues. They're showered with the Spirit. Only God can do that. They have to accept that fact. He says that they should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Verse 8, so God who knows the heart, God knows these people, Acknowledge them, acknowledge them. He showed us that they had received him by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. The same thing that was poured out on us at Pentecost happened to them. And so God was saying, I acknowledge them. I acknowledge you, the descendants of Abraham, of the circumcision, 
on the day of Pentecost. And I have acknowledged Cornelius and his family and his friends of the Italian regiment who are not circumcised. I acknowledge them and give them the Holy Spirit as well. So these are facts. You can't argue with these facts. And verse 9, and made no distinction between us and them. Notice again the humility of Peter. There's no distinction between Peter and his brothers. There's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. They're the same in God's sight. God appoints Peter to an office. God has chosen Israel for a purpose to bring forth his word. But God makes no distinction in the salvation, he says, between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. And you see here that Peter has a clear understanding of the gospel. Clear, simple from the fishermen. Analytically tremendous argument. We both say by faith. We both believe in Jesus Christ, and because of that, we both receive the Holy Spirit. Facts. And so our hearts were purified by faith, not by circumcision. Verse 10. Now, therefore, why do you test God? Now, he's, uh, he's exercising authority here, right? He's saying what he believes. He's been placed in this position clearly. They all know it. He's not couching words. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, and he calls them disciples as well, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And that's a fact also, and they know it. They know if they got to keep the minutiae of the law, everybody falls short. Nobody's going to get to heaven. No one's going to be saved. You're saved by faith, and God purifies your heart by faith. And they know that fact also, because they and their fathers have been under the ceremonial law for how many generations? He says here, verse 11, but we believe that through the grace, grace, Mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. We're not saved because we're circumcised. We're not saved because we're Jews. We're saved because our hearts were purified. God knows we believe by faith. By faith we're saved, and we've received the Holy Spirit the same way. Received it because of faith in Jesus Christ. So the same manner, the same way as they. And Notice the important role that Peter plays here in keeping the word clear, right? We talked about the ministry of the word, right? He keeps it simple and pure, not illogical. Now, sometimes people think simple is unsophisticated. Sometimes simple and clear is very, you keep to the facts, you keep the analysis pure, anyone can see it and no one can argue against it. He keeps it clear. He keeps the word pure, the pure gospel, in the face of confusion. You can imagine the scriptures being thrown around in that room, right? In the face of confusion, a crisp Holy Spirit argument. And Jesus foreknew Peter, right? And doesn't that same clear logic go through the letters of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, beautiful letters, epistles to read? Jesus foreknew him. He was called for a time like this. And what is the result in verse 12? Then all the multitude kept silent. There's a hush. There's a clear teaching of the Word of God, a clear, simple analysis, logic that cannot be contested, 
and it quiets the debate. The room becomes quiet. There's a hush in the room. And what does it say? They kept silent, the multitude, and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. It provides the opportunity now. Now that they remember they're saved by faith in Jesus Christ, not by the ceremonial law, there's a quiet, and it gives an opportunity. Barnabas and Paul have a fair hearing. They can tell of all the works, and you can imagine the zeal that Paul and Barnabas, when they're telling about the miracles that happened among the Gentiles, their apostleship, right? What they were called, sent out to do. And you notice in here how it all works together, how it all should work together. This gives a tremendous, this council gives a tremendous template of how it should work. If you are in the Madison, Connecticut area, we welcome you to join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday service at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. You can find directions and information on our redesigned website at shiarjashub.org. You can write to us at Shiar Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Or you can drop us an email. Our address is mailbox at shiar-jashub.org. Please join Pastor Greg Scalzo, author of the award-winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, next time on Shiar Jashub.